0: This program was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Irirangi Timotu, MPR. Listening to live and on-demand shows has never been easier on NPR. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Play Store on your device and search up Access Internet Radio NZ. Select and download the first option at the top of the list. Once you've downloaded the app, the next step is to open the app and look for NPR. Once found, select it and then browse freely. Supported by New Zealand On Air. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and I'm here with Billy Tossie. This is the show Property Matters. Where we talk all things property.
1: How are you, Billy? Yeah, good. Thanks, Greg. Good to be back. Uh, sorry I've been away in uh, the last few episodes, but uh, good to be back on board. And uh, yeah, looking it's forward to this, uh, this show.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see you. And, and this is a show where we talk all things property, of course. And we'll start with a bit of a local twist. We've even got National and International today. But, Billy, uh, talking about the market, and we all know that it's been rising sales market, rising rental market. How's things going in the fielding rental market?
1: Yeah, so there's just some um, figures which have come through. Um, Housing New Zealand have 150 houses uh, in fielding and, and only two of them are vacant. So, um, wow. so it's just going to show that um, – and, and in the private sector there's only seven. Um, that are available as well. So, so that's
0: across all companies, private landlords, the whole yeah, lot?
1: Yeah, across the whole lot. So it's just going to show, uh, yeah, that the you know, market's fairly tight at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's pretty pretty grim, isn't it, if, if you're looking for a property because, <coughs> uh, you know, where, where, where do you go? You might have yeah. to look further afield, but... Well, uh, yeah. well,
1: that's the thing, and it's, um, yeah, it's, I guess, putting a bit of a squeeze on, on the rental market and, um, you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, a number of people you know, I guess apply or or view properties um, and and miss out because there's just such a high volume of people that are actually looking for rental properties.
0: And we've found this also in other parts of the Manawatu and in Palmerston North. We're still getting multiple people applying for properties, multiple offers on on sales as well. So not too much has changed in the market. I've reported recently Palmerston North up almost 19% in terms of sales and uh, rentals up. Uh, best part of 9% rental mm-hmm. prices. A um, l- little bit of activity happening around the square. There's an article and stuff over the weekend. I don't know if you've noticed, Willie. there's a few empty shops around the square. Yep. And the council's been doing a, a $26.6 uh, million streets for the people, central city upgrade. You might have noticed some some roadworks
1: mm. at times when you go yeah, through it the square. Yeah, there has been a bit of uh, action. Uh, happening around the square, so um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what plays out from that, and um, yeah, it
0: takes look time. To it. it does take time, and the, and the standard was talking about how there's 12 empty retail spaces, which is about 17% of the shop space. Although Steve Williams, a professional's commercial real estate agent, said that the um, that the market has actually grown quite tight for for central city space, and a lot of those are now spoken for. So it'll be good to see those those spots filling up. Square really is a credit to uh, various councils over the last sort of ten or fifteen years that have made it more of a a place to attract people, haven't they?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, just some other um, news that's popping up, Greg, on stuff. Um, something down in Dunedin here. Uh, yeah, which is, that,
0: which it's is interesting. The the property at uh, sixty five Every Street in Dunedin, which is the site of the former Bain family residence, you might uh, remember, Valley. Uh, five members of the Bain family were found yep. dead <coughs> in the house at 65 Every Street in, in June 1994, and uh, of course, as we know, the family's only surviving member, David Bain, was convicted yep. and then <coughs> acquitted uh, mm-hmm. a number of years later. Now, I don't know if you remember the pictures, but there was a big old villa on there, mm-hmm. and um, they burnt, that got burnt down. down yeah. <coughs> uh, so this is a property that's built on that site, and over the last week, there's been, th- I think, three different articles about it, but it looks like... Uh, as, it, as the article says, publics by, undeterred by the grisly history of the former Bain families Dunedin property. Willie, would you? Would you buy a house <laughs> was, on I the? Was just, I
1: was just about going to turn the question on you, But <laughs> well, if we talk about <laughs> it. Would you would you would, like, you? would you? would you buy that? Um, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know if it would worry me or not, but <laughs> certainly the original house, I wouldn't. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, that, yeah, would, that would just freak freak me out. But it the would ent- just
1: be this sort of. You know, or you know about it. It just uh, it gives me tingling. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> makes your hair stand up on your on your on your neck. Yeah, um, yet, just thinking about it. Yet,
0: <coughs> uh, Edinburgh property realtor uh, Lane Sivright said the the newer home, the one that was built in 1996, had had positive response from buyers, and I believe now it has
1: sold. So, uh, wow, it just shows
0: that um, you know there are people that don't worry quite so much about these sorts of things.
1: Absolutely. And um, Greg, down in Wellington, uh, there's been uh, a huge initiative, and I know you've spoken about it in previous uh, shows with Me Not Here, around uh, co-housing and how this is having a a huge effect on on some uh, major cities or or, um, families or people that can have the ability to do it. And listeners might remember I gave
0: examples (coughs) of uh, cohabitation spaces in Auckland, but it now looks like Wellington's. Bringing village living to the city, according to headline and stuff, through the co housing initiative. Yeah. And what they're looking at doing is creating uh, small spaces for, for people or for families to live in with large shared communal areas. Now, this is a model, this particular model might be more likened to some of those places in the States that you see yeah. on TV or in the movies sometimes that have, you know, a pool, <coughs> recreational areas, those, those sorts of things. And it gives people people that are attracted to these spaces have to be a certain type of people because mm-hmm. you're living in close proximity to others and um, and like the idea of, of meeting people. So this is a 22-unit apartment block. Um, this, the preliminary designs have been done. And some of these extra areas are places like a common kitchen, so you don't have your own kitchen, dining area, rooftop conservatory, gardens and workshops. So I think for to help with... Getting a certain number of people living in a certain mm-hmm. area, it has merit, but it's not for everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's I guess a, a, a clear separation in terms of you know boarding housing um, and you know not living under the same uh, sort of roof. It, it's it's you've got your own separate living area uh, and you and you'll share uh, common facilities as well.
0: Yes, and so it's it's quite an interesting way of doing things. So you're buying, uh, I would imagine, although I haven't seen it myself, the, the rights to to um, and inhabit the area the same way as you might in something like an apartment building where you have a defined space to live in and then you have shared spaces that everybody uses.
1: So did you, um, obviously, Greg, you spoke about Auckland before yeah. um, obviously taking um, you know this sort of initiative uh, there. Yeah. Could we see something similar here in Manawatu, do you think? Or was it mainly sort of a, a city-type dynamic yeah, it's that, often, that, that uh, it would work?
0: Yeah, ra- around the world... Um, it's generally in places where the cities are larger mm. and being in this, being close to centre cities is very difficult and I feel that the prices here are still okay mm-hmm. but what's happened in, in Wellington and Auckland now is the need to be, uh, you may work close in but can't find somewhere affordable to live. So could it happen here? Well we could watch that space, you never you never know but if there's a market for it, uh, why
1: not? Yeah and I guess um, like you talked about the major cities like Auckland and Wellington, you know transport plays a big part in it. And, Huge. And if you can have, uh, I guess it's people understanding or sacrificing one or the other, um, you know, either living outside of the city and willing to travel or living in the centre of the city um, and and not having um, that burden of, of sitting in traffic for hours on end.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's where there are certainly appeals for, for people around uh, getting into that market, because bear in mind you can always uh, sell and and upgrade at some stage. Mm. Now, all over the news, and I lost track of how many articles, I would say at least a dozen in the last week, about the OCR cut, and and I think the reason it was so much in the news was people were expecting 0.25 percentage point cut but the Reserve Bank actually cut it by twice as much in order to help mm. stimulate the economy.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's been interesting, Greg, and, and something just before we jumped on uh, for the show, you know, obviously your knowledge around uh, this uh, and, and the effects that this would sort of have um, on the New Zealand economy and in particular housing as well. Um, and so, you know, let's, let's digest that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, there's, it's interesting. Every time the OCR moves, there's, there's winners and losers and... The reason that the Reserve Bank cuts the OCR is to try and stimulate the economy, and it can do that in a number of ways, but given that the global economy is slowed a bit, what they're trying to do is get people to invest in New Zealand because the dollar drops. So New dollar Zealand drops, products. And yeah, they're cheaper <coughs> uh, if buying from overseas. It means that if we're buying things from overseas, it's dearer. Mm. So they're trying to encourage people to buy more locally, people from overseas to buy products in New Zealand, and also if you're in a household... And you have a floating mortgage, uh, then we see rates cuts because four of the five banks have cut their the floating mortgage rates, and that might mean twenty or thirty dollars extra, or fifty dollars extra. Depends where you live and your household budget per week. You might go out and spend that, mm. and that also helps boost the economy.
1: So real, I guess, real advantages in terms of um, purchasing. Uh, houses, Greg, or, or yeah, been definitely. in a position to purchase a house, yeah. where interest rates are you know, probably at an all-time low at the moment. Yeah, it's
0: incredible how, how low they are. So, so a bit of a barrier is still around the deposit, but at least when you get into a house, it's much easier to manage those repayments. Mm. The interesting thing is that people always have to be prepared that those may move back up, yep. yet <coughs> uh, it seems we've, we've been now in a little bit of a prolonged period, mm. we may still do so. So that's where people, even on the the floating mortgages, where the cuts have happened most recently, you could still put that extra back into a mortgage if you want and pay it off a lot quicker.
1: Yeah, and I think we've um, talked about that. You know, just preparing yourself for the worst. Um, you know, around these low interest rates, because you don't want to be getting yourself into position. You know, position where um, you know you're financially. Uh, you know, maxed out um, under that sort of interest rate, or, that's right. or That lend, and and you know, when the interest rates do go up, then you find yourself in a, in a pretty, um, you know, dire position.
0: Yeah, and that's <coughs> where you look at uh, places like Auckland, which uh, I don't believe will drop any time too soon, but it has stabilised. It might have a small drop, and a small drop in house prices. And if if the mortgage rates went up a little, which I don't see that happening in the near future, but if they did. Suddenly people that have bought at a time when the market was high mm. um, can, get, come, can get a bit caught, but um, all accounts are that immigration is still very strong into that area, so it should still be OK. One thing we yet to see, though, in, in an article that was on mortgage mortgagerates.co.nz is how much of an effect will it have actually on the housing market? And, and like I say, the, the entry level is still that deposit size. Mm. Mm. Um, so it'll mainly help people who <coughs> have existing mortgages, I think.
1: And so, Greg, let's talk about then. Um, we talk about, I guess, the OCR and the effect around the housing, mainly for those who are looking at purchasing property. But how? What sort of effect does it have in, in the renting market, or people looking at, you know, trying to find a, a rental property?
0: Yeah. So that's when the OCR drops. It's uh, again, it makes investing more can actually make it more attractive mm. uh, around, uh, as well as home home <coughs> buying, of course. Um, so th- with with it being more attractive for home buyers, there can be less rental properties, of course, which can affect prices. But conversely, if investors have equity in their existing buildings, then the they can get themselves into a cash flow positive situation a bit sooner. I think the overall effect is that, uh, again, it might just stimulate... Well, it will stimulate people to buy homes for themselves, mm-hmm. but will also encourage investors.
1: Yep. Okay. Well, that's well, that's um, I guess, you know, uh, something to be aware of um, with these with these uh, effects. is, you know, how does that affect the renting market as well? And 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 like you said, Greg, you know, it could have um, both a positive or negative effect. Um, you know, taking rental stock out of the rental pool because people are more able to to purchase property and, and yes. with interest rates low then um, you know that could be the, the negative effect around. Yeah rating. we still have the
0: fundamental problem of not enough houses which is a, which is a toughie and we'd, we'd normally go to a bit of a music break but we've actually got lots of interesting stuff today. We're going to go to international news uh, for a moment. Will uh, you might recall Matthew Perry he was off Friends. Yeah I do remember. Yep. The Friends TV show, a favourite of mine at the time. He's selling his LA penthouse and just for probably for chump change, 54 million New Zealand dollars. This is in LA, can you believe that? Unbelievable. Um,
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money, isn't it? For for one property.
0: So he was the, uh, Matthew Perry was sort of like the wise cracking uh, Chandler off off the show and a lot of people could relate to him. This, we call it a penthouse, but I mean, it's 863 square metres. Now, in this, well, around these parts, if you had a two hundred square meter house, you're would pretty good. So this is a whole floor, wow. four bedroom apartment on top of a century tower. Now he bought it for twenty million US, and it's and it's going to like yourself for thirty five million, and uh, that must be might be something to see. So. If, 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 if,
1: Listeners were interested.
0: I'm sure they could look <laughs> that up on the real estate uh, websites.
1: That's not bad um, capital gains on, yeah. <laughs> on a property, isn't it? 15, yes. million, 15 Matthew, million. Matthew
0: Perry, also known for some of his uh, uh, drug problems, I guess you could say, in the past, but mm. hopefully things are back on the right track there. Um, and would you like to, to possibly look at a rental property where Meghan Markle oh, okay. print- used to live? Is she a sure, princess?
1: I'm sure. I'm not sure. Yes, 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 I yes, am yeah. yeah. um, sure there would be a lot of um, royal fans out there that would be <laughs> interested in seeing uh, seeing
0: more detail around this group. Imagine if you were like one of those people that clicks plates and cups and all yes. those things with the royals, <laughs> on you can now buy you can now buy the property that Meghan Markle used to rent in L.A. Remember, she used to be uh, an actress, of course, and this one's much more affordable at around two point seven. Million, so that's uh, not too far of a stretch from actually Auckland prices. So, <laughs> yeah, well, so there you go. So these are back from the days when she was the before she was the Duchess of, of Sussex, and this one's um, they use square feet. It's an American article, and I probably won't be able to do that in my head. But it's over two thousand square feet, so it's a two storied place, um, all entertaining on the on the ground floor. Nice, uh, more of a style looks like probably from about the 1930s. So. <laughs> So that's something that, uh, yes, yeah, so if you wanted to look up Megan Markle, where she used to live, you could also look up that on the internet as well. So that's that's great. And, Vili, we're going to move on now to uh, renting matters. And something that was really a bit left field, and I guess you get this when local uh, body elections are on, that the Wellington Mayor, Justin Lester, proposes that the council may intervene. Well, he said it will intervene in, in the rental market, because the rents have been surpassing Auckland rents in Wellington, now, I guess that's a. I think it's an election promise. I yeah. think the headline's misleading, but, but uh, what, what, do you know much about what he's proposing
1: there? Yeah, it, well, to be honest, Greg, I think it is an election promise. Um, how it would work, I'm still yet to sort of piece it together myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're suggesting is that the council would, um, I guess, take on the management of a, of a property, so mum and dad property, mm-hmm. um, and they would then rent that property out to a tenant but at a lower rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how that would work, um, you know, I thought yeah. we could adjust yeah. it a bit more maybe.
0: It, it appears that what what the council would do is I would approach individual landlords and say to them, we'll pay the rent at, at a certain rent level for a certain period of time. And that would probably actually be quite a long period of time.
1: Yeah, I think it's about five, between five to 10 years. Yeah,
0: and and then what they would do then is they would then re-rent that property to tenants at lower than market rates, so they are suggesting at this stage about five to six percent below. So you've got the la- the owner receiving the rent that they would like, and then the tenants paying a rent which is below it, which would make me feel that it would be the rate payers, the property owners of Wellington, that would be paying the difference in their rates.
1: That was the first question there that, uh, that sprung to mind, Greg, is who's actually going to pay. For the difference in terms of the tenants paying less rent. Yeah, like let's say let's say
0: what <clears throat> what five percent would look like. Let's say if your rent was uh, five hundred dollars per week, uh, that's twenty five dollars. Uh, that's got to come from somewhere, and yeah, the, the only place that it could possibly be would be would be from rates. So
1: and so that's on uh, I guess for mum and dad who have have an investment property who take this scheme. Uh, up, um, it's likely that it would be those that don't have an investment property that are effectively playing for the scheme.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so you could actually live in Wellington in your private home and own a rental, and the rates partly from your private home and for the rental home are paying for for helping tenants live there. They're doing this to try and keep people in the in the middle of Wellington, really, um, and, and and areas like Newtown where they're looking at the uh, rapid transit system, just have people living there but uh i don't know where this one will go we've looked at and discussed in, in uh, previous weeks situations where some cities uh, particularly in europe have kept their rents based on things like inflation or a certain percentage uh, this one yeah in, in, interesting we'll watch uh, this space i can't see yeah, it eventuating yeah here. the
1: other the other probably question i have greg is how will the council monitor or manage the properties. Um, what does that mean for the property management industry? Yeah, that's um, right. Well, there's a whole, so whole there's a whole lot of concerns there that I think, <clears throat> um, yeah, might be just a, a promise that's maybe unable to be delivered. Yeah, well, I think that
0: if you're looking <clears throat> at it, if you're that homeowner, the, o- the only benefit really would be that at a certain rental amount that you've agreed with the council, your income would be, I guess, guaranteed. Mm. So what happens if the, if the Wellington, count, uh, Wellington City then becomes the landlord? You have a certain number of tenants who are misbehaving, et cetera. Um, yeah, it just just seems to be heading towards a too hard basket
1: for me. Yeah, it was a lot of... Um it's a lot of responsibility for the council to take on in terms of management. Of <laughs> when they see the numbers and figures involved, they <laughs> might... Uh, Hundreds or might, thousands of properties, so it'll it be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. Now, Greg, uh, something that's obviously a uh, pretty hot topic um, in, in, in the renting market is, is the reform of the Residential Tenancies Act, um, which has just granted royal royal assent.
0: Yes, and you can find articles on this in a number of places. There's uh, the dun- com. there's the Real Estate Institute's website, And it's got royal assent, which means it's all all done. And from the 27th of August, there's three fundamental changes. And what happens with law sometimes is you might have court cases or things that come along and a precedent is set. And they sometimes then need to change the law just to clarify some of these things. Uh, I guess one one change is to do with the tenant liability for for careless damage to rental properties. Sort of like Mm. accidental-slash-careless. Now, tell me just as briefly as possible, I guess, a little bit about... Why are why they changing this?
1: Yeah, so previously, um, I guess the uh, tenancy tribunal acted upon a case which set precedent, which you talked about before, Greg, and that was the Holler versus Osaki case, uh, where, you know, very briefly um, a tenant um, was held accountable for some damage uh, that went through um, a number of courts, and in the end, it was decided that the tenant. Um, was not to pay any costs. Yeah, they, they were responsible. Yeah, yeah under, for un, under accidental damage, and so through um, Tenancy Tribunal, uh, since that um, since that decision, um, a number of tenants have not been held accountable for careless damage or um, accidental damage.
0: Property managers <clears throat> used to be able to get recompense. Mm-hmm.
1: Then this
0: changed, and they couldn't. The change now is is creating some, some limits around this. Landlords need to be able to provide to tenants details of the insurance policy because what would tenants be up for paying now if they, for example, left cooking unattended and caused a fire in the kitchen?
1: Yeah, so it would be um, the excess. So hence why I guess a part of this reform is um, you know, if a tenant requests Uh, an owner's insurance policy, they have to, uh, in a reasonable manner, uh, provide those details to a tenant. Um, And then from the 27th of August of this year, 2019, um, any new tenancy agreement from that date onwards, um, you need to provide insurance details on that as well. So the tenant would be liable to pay um, the excess or up to four weeks' rent. So let's say Um, your
0: excess is $1,000, then a tenant knows, okay, the most I'm going to have to pay if I accidentally do something, uh, or carelessly is probably a better word than than a thousand dollars, and if a tenant found out that a landlord 's excess was two thousand, they could decide do they want to rent that or do they want to rent a different one so yeah, that 's
1: right or or it 's four weeks worth of rent, whatever sort of um, I guess you know.
0: Whatever's the whichever one works,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I <laughs> can't think of the actual term, <laughs> um, so yeah, that I guess that's the the important part from from this, um, from this category in terms of the reform is if you do have a, an investment property <clears throat> and from the 27th of August onwards, um, you must uh, provide uh, insurance policy details on your tenancy agreement, and if the tenant <clears throat> does request, um, uh, you know your insurance landlord policy. You actually do have to provide that to them.
0: Great, right, thanks, Philly. And Probably just we'll, we'll speed a little bit through the next two. But the second change was to do with methamphetamine contamination of <laughs> rental properties, and this little situation that came about <clears throat> where testing a house for methamphetamine while tenants were living there was neither a property inspection nor. Maintenance. Mm. Um, so, what have they done about
1: that? Yeah. So, within this reform, you can <clears throat> landlords now have um, specific right of entry uh, on on any of their rental properties to conduct a uh, methamphetamine test. Obviously, given they have to provide the right notice periods and sure. and during the specific hours uh, to do so. Uh, whereas before, they weren't able to do that. Um, and, and so yeah i guess that just clears that area up with regards to you know testing in between tenancies
0: it, it also clarifies that the circumstances in which if a property is found to be contaminated you can end a tenancy because there's a real weird situation where yeah. uh, if a te- a, prop, a tenant could under certain circumstances contaminate a property and then carry on living there mm. that's been that they've done away with that which is which is good news it allows landlords to to fix things up much more quickly
1: yeah so so <clears throat> um either party can either give seven days' notice or or end it um you know after two yep. um so yeah it, it's just one of those um i guess um, areas that methamphetamine it, <clears throat> it goes through the media then gets spoken about quite heavily, yep. and then it's sort of. You know, housing um, made a fairly, um, you know, under the Luckman report, uh, or sorry, the Gluckman report, made a fairly significant opinion, which sort of put methamphetamine back into the the shadows, Um, and now it's coming back out again. So,
0: one thing that's important that people may want to consider is that if they're testing during a tenancy, they need to have a baseline test done before the tenancy in order to, for example, uh, put a case against tenants for an unlawful act, or to. In
1: the tenancy, I would
0: suggest. Yep. Um, sorry, Billy, and do you want Sorry, to? just yep. very
1: quickly with regards to that, Greg. Um, so, if, if you did um, find that the property was uninhabitable um, after testing during a tenancy and there was no test done prior, um, then the tenant's rent would rebate as well. So yes, it's that's correct. And that's a scary to, thought um, yeah. to remember as well. Because
0: they could insinuate it was always correct. contaminated, yep. therefore they shouldn't have been. Um, yeah, thanks for pointing that one out, Billy. The last one, will just spend a minute on this, it's not, nothing too major, it's just closing a loophole, that uh, rental. it's defining rental premises that are not lawful for residential purposes because there was a grey area where certainly in large centres, slightly unscrupulous uh, people slash landlords could rent out places like um, small outbuildings, garden sheds that really don't meet the criteria of healthy living and, and that sort of thing yeah so
1: that just clears that up greg and and effectively you know if you're wanting to rent out a or or have people sleep in something like a garage uh, you can't um it's it's unlawful it's not uh, it's not suited for a residential purpose so um, that's
0: right and that's all <coughs> defined now um you can go to the website legislation govt.nz, that's legislation.govt.nz and it's uh, got the definitions in there under the Residential Tenancies Act of what you can't rent <laughs> I guess is a good way of putting it and um, and there are significant um, exemplary damages that can be paid if you do. Now Vili, your, your view I would imagine that there may be people that are currently in that situation that are going to have to make some changes but the interesting thing is they're not currently covered under the Tenancy Act. So so the tenants, even if they're staying in a garage, have rented out a garage to them. The Residential Tenancies Act doesn't cover it. This clears that up as well. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. So it's just um, tenancy services have got really good uh, insight into um, you know, these, this type of uh, information that we've been uh, talking about. And also it's always good to um, see what potential fines um, for exemplary damages or, or, or anything else that, that you may incur uh, if you were put in that position.
0: Speaking of fines, final word of warning just before we go, just in the the last 15 seconds, we've seen uh, quite a number of cases brought against landlords who have failed to put insulation on their properties in a timely fashion. Uh, Too many articles to to mention, but just a reminder, get your homes insulated, get them healthy and abide by the rules on tenancy.govt.nz. Uh, we'd better
1: head off, Billy. It's lovely seeing you again. Great to be back and, uh, yeah, some great discussion.
0: Thanks. We'll see you again on Property Matters this time in a week. Have a great week. Support this program and others like it by giving a donation to NPR. More details at nPR.nz.